0: Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to Defence, the conversation about defence you never knew, you always wanted to have. I'm Dr Alex Valenti, and today we continue exploring the topic of sustainability in defence, but from a more institutional point of view, the European Defence Agency. Joining me for this very interesting conversation is Maya Kuzo, Project Officer Energy Support at the EDA, and together we explore several topics, including how the Consultation Forum on Sustainable Energy is seeking to build a community around such an important topic, a community which, by the way, includes both military and civilians, and how tabletop exercises, such as the one I did indeed attend in Sofia at the end of May, help this process. Maya also tells us a little bit more about how some of the project ideas emerging from the forum can actually be implemented. Cue here tips on how to get funding, and how the forum also provides guidance to member states and ministries of defense to understand how legislations on sustainability can impact defense. In other words, join us for a very enriching and eye-opening conversation on how the EDA is reaching out to many different groups to find solutions together for a more sustainable defense sector. Hi, Maya, and thank you so much for agreeing to participate in this new episode of the Defense Podcast. Hello, good morning, and uh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, and thank you for finding the time. I know that things can go a bit crazy uh, sometimes with the uh, schedule, so I really appreciate this. And well, to kick things off today, I was wondering, as I'm sure many of our audience is, uh, what does a project officer
1: energy support at the ADA does? Yes, so the project officer energy support is uh, is one of the people responsible for dealing with energy considerations at European Defense Agency. And in this respect, we are also a part of a so-called wider policies of the EDA which means that we look into um, regarding our respective field uh, EU policy framework which then how it impacts uh, uh, defense Mm -hmm. and also vice versa we're making sure that the interests of the defense community are well uh, presented are well voiced to the uh, European uh, uh, bodies EU bodies
0: Okay, so in the context of what we're talking about today, I'm assuming this means that we're talking about how European uh, policies in terms of sustainability have an impact on the defense sectors. Is that right?
1: Yes, yes, that's right. So we have uh, uh, quite a a big umbrella of uh, sustainability policies and we also have uh, several... Uh, projects linked with those with those policies at EDA. Maybe I can later on uh, say a couple of words about uh, about all of them. Uh, But I would also like to uh, underline that in my uh, role. I'm actually um, deputy project manager of a project called Consultation Forum for Sustainable Energy in the defence and security sector, which is a European Commission initiative but it's implemented at uh, EDA. And we, uh, we are here to support the ministries of defence in moving towards greener and more uh, sustainable, resilient, more efficient uh, energy models. And this in particular means um, as you said, looking into the relevant uh, policy uh, legislation, but also working on various uh, collaborative project ideas, expanding the knowledge base through research studies, etc. And we are um, um, we bring together experts of um, uh, 30 different European countries from yes <laughs> all, <laughs> that's a all lot of you, <laughs> That's a lot, all EU member states. Plus Norway, Switzerland and Serbia but we also have uh, members of uh, industry, of academia, research technology organizations, partner organizations and of course uh, EU institutions and they all come together in this this, uh, uh, venue to uh, explore uh, tangible solutions on how to increase the use of of sustainable energy in defence.
0: Okay, so you've hit many, many keywords there and so much to unpack. So I think the first thing I want to ask you is, you know, we talk about sustainability, you talk about sustainable energy. I guess what I understand is there are two aspects to this, right? When you're looking at it from a point of view of the military, we're talking about what we've seen a lot um, lately with, unfortunately, the war in Ukraine, the fact that The energy prices have gone up, and so there's probably a need for uh, armed forces around the world, well in Europe in this case, to look at alternative sources to be able to um, sustain their operations, so sustainably in that kind of sense, I guess. And then supposedly there's also the other side of the coin where we're thinking maybe something that people don't think about necessarily, but... The military uses well. They use tanks. They use ships. They use all sorts of different capabilities that also contribute to pollution. So you look at both aspects. Is that correct?
1: Yes. So when we uh, when we talk about sustainability, it's uh, well, it can mean many things. Actually, it can mean um, first of all um, using using less energy, so more energy efficiency. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, then uh, uh, it can mean increased use of uh, renewable energy sources, uh, which in this case, as you rightly point out, with the conflict in Ukraine, we have seen the need of of moving away from from fossil fuels, which would then um, ensure our energy autonomy in a way, which then in turn ensures more resilience of the armed forces. And this is a very important message that that we are always trying to somehow uh, underline. So we're not um, per se, yes, we don't want to say our mission is to uh, reduce the greenhouse gas emissions because it's not, our mission comes first and it's something completely else. But in in, uh, um, following, let's say, the EU policy framework on sustainable energy, and the aim to ensure climate neutrality by 2050, we are also increasing uh, resilience. So there are two sides, uh, two sides of the coin.
0: Okay, that makes sense, and. I know we'll probably go into this later on when we talk about the specific projects, but I'm very curious, so I'm still going to give in curiosity and ask the question now. When you say, you know, encourage the use of renewable energy for the military, what kind of renewable energy are they looking at? Is it solar? Is it wind? Is it alternative
1: fuel sources? Yes, it's uh, it's all of those things. So okay. it depends. Well, we have... All the member states, and they have, uh, let's say, different uh, different energy sources that they are used to using, or uh, they they dispose with different resources. That uh, uh, I mean, money resources that they could put in. So, so the picture is is quite complex. But we are talking, for example, in our working group on renewable energy sources, we're talking talking about photovoltaics also um hydrogen lately we've uh, started talking of uh, of e-fuels and of course wind energy was one of the largely explored topics we even had one research study on the topic so how the defense impacts the offshore energy renewable installation installations which is uh, quite an important thing because um maybe you know that uh, many offshore areas are reserved for defense activities and precisely in those areas um, those areas are uh, good enough to be used and explored by renewable energy installations but on the other hand military is reluctant to give away those those areas so uh, what we have looked at some of the challenges and maybe recommendations how to address that in, in a study and this has all given way to the the newest of the let's say green initiatives of EDA which is the project called symbiosis renewable energy for defence which is uh, it started in october last year and it's dealing precisely with this how to explore the symbiosis between the civilian sector and the defence sector in order to to uh, have more more of this uh, uh, renewable energy uh, installations offshore
0: Okay, well, that sounds really interesting, and it it, it does it does strike a chord with me because I am um, part of the many hats I wear is uh, is doing communication um and content writing for some clients, and I know that they were looking, for instance, at how. Um, offshore energy uh, wind turbines uh, affect, for instance, radar performances and how important that is for, you know, keeping coasts clear uh, of any threats for the military. So I'm assuming you're also looking at that um, as well. So I'll definitely want to be uh, asking more questions about this later on. Um, but I'm really glad you you started your answer by mentioning the fact that, you know, It's many different member states and different energy sources they're looking at and different ways of approaching this, presumably, because different means. I mean, let's be honest. So different policies and means. Uh, So, you know, 30 member states. How do you manage to get all these people together? What is the process? How do you talk to each other? How does it work with this consultation forum?
1: Yes. So um, consultation forum is, as the name suggests, mm-hmm. consultation forum, consultative forum. So we're not a decision making body. And fortunately or unfortunately, we don't need to agree on all the, uh, all the topics that we discuss in terms of unanimity, etc. But um, what we do is we uh, put all those people together. We give them, uh, I have to say, the sense of ownership. Of the projects that they are developing together, they are communicating among themselves and finding out the best way how to do how to do certain things. And this is the uh, I could say the the driving force in this in this project. This, precisely the this sense of ownership and also um, uh, also trust, because as you may imagine, this uh, this community started a bit. We started in 2015 with this project. It, was, uh, uh, it wasn't it was as numerous and it was relatively uh, close at the beginning. So there needs to be a way how to make people fear, feel secure that they can exchange information and go further in a collaborative projects. Plus also we provide a venue where um, civilian sector comes in. And this is not what usually happens, you know, so you have military representatives, you have civilians, and then they talk to each other, explore what could be the military requirements in this, can we uh, accommodate that? Um, Yeah, so so this is how things are uh, moved along. (laughs) Now, that's
0: very interesting, because from... Uh, from what I hear from the many conversations I have, and this is nobody's fault, obviously, but the civilian and the military language and frame of mind are very different. So they don't necessarily always speak the same language, so to speak, you know. So how does it work then? Does it does it mean so you were saying that you don't you don't do policy, as you said, it's probably a safe bet, this way you don't have to get everyone to agree necessarily on one thing. Um, But does it mean that you, you choose projects and then you provide a venue for people in these projects to talk or um, how does it work this synergy between the consultation forums and the project how is the the whole system together
1: right so the project or as we call them project ideas are one of the deliverables of the forum which means that um, every working group is tasked by producing a number of, of projects or projects ideas in a, in a certain uh, span of time so, people there first. There's a, a communication on what topics might be relevant for this. What we want to look at. Uh, different member states voice their different concerns. Then we look into who would be the best uh, expert to come in from outside. We we draft a project idea. Uh, roughly uh what would be the requirements what's the scope what's the methodology and sometimes it can be an idea in itself that is um that is relevant that that gives an added value so uh, yes we we have many i can i can mention one uh it was about um uh exploring the the Benefits and challenges of, for example, introducing hydrogen in in heavy military vehicles, logistics vehicles. I have to mm-hmm. underline because our project does not deal. Uh, it's a Horizon 2020 project. It's it's dual use, so mm-hmm. it's logistics vehicles. Um, so it was it provided some of the benefits and challenges but then it provides also recommendations on the way forward so how we can explore if we are interested in this topic and similar topics there are also some some other ways so we have uh for example um Identifunding method at EDA and also as part of the Constitution Forum, which takes those ideas that we conceptualize at the Forum and matches them to possible uh, EU funding uh, programs or financing programs. And this is how some of the pro- uh, programs can um, uh, get funded. Uh, or alternatively, there are also ways within the EDA, within one of the other Um, uh, initiatives, so-called green initiatives, that can take this project and put it at the table and then bring member states who then participate with money willingly on this project. This is uh, what I'm talking about is an energy environment uh, CAPTEC capability technology group which uh, then looks into environmental, climate change, energy considerations, but more from a point of view of technology. So it's different from consultation forum. So this is, going back to the consultation forum, this is how, let's say, one project idea could evolve. But it's also, uh, I have to underline, um, in order to expand the knowledge base that we have. So, so we will have produced. We are, for example, now in phase three of the consultation forum that lasts for four years and will finish the next year. And we will have thirty project ideas in total from our four um, working groups. They can range from their topical uh, uh, energy islanding of installations, energy management system digitalizations, uh, digital twins. Uh, energy efficiency trends, uh, protection of critical uh, energy infrastructure that is defense related, protection from hybrid threats, from um, uh, also impact of pandemics on such infrastructure. There are many, many topics.
0: Okay. Yes, definitely.
1: So <clears throat> I'm sorry if this sounds over overwhelming. <laughs> I'm trying to summarize everything oh, to do fact. with the
0: European <laughs> Union is overwhelming, generally speaking. <laughs> but no, you're doing a really good job in terms of making it clear. Um, I guess what I wanted to to say was: would it be fair to say then that basically the consultation forum is like a an incubator of ideas and then if something you know can can work out if people want to take this forward then as you said you provide then the different avenues to get the funding um do you also i'm sorry i'm going to be a bit of a devil's advocate here but do you also help um you know you said you you provide the avenues on where they could get the funding for these projects Do you also help them in terms of doing the proposals and wading through all the European Commission requirements for these proposals? Because this is something that I often get from small industry actors, you know, where they say we would love to get to benefit from European money, but it's such a mess sometimes to wade through all the paper
1: yes well this is not the role of the consultation forum <laughs> but i can explain for example how it worked for one of our success stories yes, which please. did get funded so uh, there was this project idea conceptualized as part of the forum as part of our renewables uh, uh, a group which dealt with uh, uh, with hydrogen, hydrogen hubs in europe um, then we applied this identifying methodology, that means our uh, project officer responsible for this area said okay, this is the way to go. Um, this EU program funding program could be appropriate for this, and then um, there was some technical help provided on the margins, so uh, with the help of an EDA contractor, who then help the interested member states with their questions regarding the uh, the application itself so in the end this was uh, the process was successful and um the project uh, got funded for a, a feasibility study that was uh, 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 recently finished and now the member state uh, in the lead slovenia is looking in how to how to take this even further because of course it's only a feasibility study
0: yeah, but then if, if I recall correctly, there are then other types of funding with the, within the European Union that one can use to keep taking these projects forward. There are calls for proposals, there are different things. So presumably, yes. yeah, yeah, they can sure. go through this. Okay.
1: But also and we are not, uh, if, if, I can, if I can just underline, we're not only and solely about the project getting money. It's also the, this vast community that we have formed, that I have to underline, that was inexistent. Before, and then we also produce one other deliverable that is a guidance document on sustainable energy for ministries of defense, which which helps helps quite a lot, and it it contains the entire knowledge, of course, in a <laughs> summarized form um, that we have been uh, working on for four years. And this will be delivered to our ministries of defense in the end, and it's a work in progress. So our working groups um, currently also work, um, work all the time on getting the text better. And this will be one of our uh, key deliverables as well. And it also, of course, looks at the uh, legislation, important legislation that we take into account, energy efficiency, buildings performance, renewable energy sources, and protection of critical energy infrastructure and how it impacts defense. This is very important because legislation is always the the baseline from which we from which we start. Because sometimes it's it's difficult to to unpack what is and what is not relevant for defense and how it applies. So yeah. this is also what we do.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And do you have a
0: deadline or a publishing date for this uh, for this deliverable already in mind, or at the moment is still a work in progress? And
1: it's a, it's a work in progress. So um, since the project, the, the phase three of the project will finish in September twenty twenty four. By that day, everything needs to be ready, which means that we will already informed our moderators that we we would like to see the more or less the final draft in uh, February 2024, so that we have enough time to review it. And then, of course, we, we share with the member states.
0: Okay, no, that sounds, I'm looking forward to seeing that if it becomes available online publicly at some point, definitely. And I'm really glad that you mentioned, um, that you underlined, in fact, the fact that you're creating this community, because that was one of my questions as well. At the beginning, if I recall correctly, you said it's military, it's civil, and within the civil, it's, well, the member states, officials, but also academics and industry. So, I guess my first question about this was how does one go about being part of this uh, consultation forum? Uh, Do you reach out as an organisation or do people know about this and ask to be involved?
1: So, in the beginning, um, yeah, so every phase has a, let's say, a nominations phase for for members. So, in the beginning of a phase that was in, in the phase three, that was in 2019. I believe I do not recall exactly, you know, the the, the technicalities of the process, but um, the member states were invited to um, suggest, uh, um, first of all, uh, uh, moderators for the for the working groups that we had at that point, and the the team leaders, and also um, for every big conference that we do, because we do two two big events. Uh, a year and more smaller ones let's say we issue an invitation that goes to all our uh, points of contact where we ask uh, okay there is the the event please um, send up to four delegates per member state because we have four working groups so one in each and we prefer that it's it's always the same people in order to retain knowledge, of course, be a part of the group, but it doesn't necessarily have to be so. So we we uh, always have uh, some newcomers, but it is more or less a a community of 150 people. Um, And we have some permanent members of the forum, but of course, if there are any any internal changes, we get notified by the uh, uh, contact points in respective ministries. Okay. Okay. And
0: okay, well, this is sounds like a really, really interesting um, conferences uh, that I would love to, are they even open to um, journalists? Can you attend or is this very closed?
1: Journalists, well, uh, uh, not per se, but we have had some some interest. If uh, uh, in in some of the conference, for example, VIPs attend from the hosting member state, and then journalists come to that, there is some journalist interest. So this is this is in principle. Um, uh, how it operates. But on a case-by-case basis, we can look into, uh, well, any requests. (laughs) (laughs) For example, it will be be, uh, interesting that we have a novel activity in in May in Sofia, Bulgaria. It will be a tabletop exercise on hybrid threats and how they impact critical um, defence-related energy infrastructure. And then uh, there, since it's a tabletop exercise, it's not going to be one-sided, so that it just has um, uh, representatives of the ministries. We will have also representatives of decision-making bodies, but also of of the civil sector academia and some journalists. So how, if you are faced with these or that crisis, If this activity happens, what would you do? How you would act? And then you ask different actors in different working groups. And there will be some journalists. So yes, if you're interested in something like that, (laughs) feel free to voice your interest. Yes,
0: (laughs) definitely. Um, So just in case, you know, there's audience uh, for this episode that are not so familiar with our jargon in the defense world, hybrid threats in this tabletop exercise. What does it mean? What are you looking at?
1: Ah, that's a very difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I've because written articles about this. <laughs> then you maybe know better than me, yes. Uh, uh, so, yeah, and maybe our moderators of this working group could be the, the people to to ask for, uh, for in details. But yeah, this is something that has, uh, has uh, uh, several definitions, but this is... Um, the threats that are of uh, could be of conventional or non-conventional uh, nature. So we're not talking about uh, only physical attacks on infrastructure. We're talking about wide variety of things. Um, it can be uh, cyber attacks, but not only. Sometimes people think ah, oh, cyber is the most uh, dominant. It doesn't need to be. Um, it can be uh, disinformation activities, mm. um, it can be some fear mongering, it can be um, something that incites riots in a society, so how this spills over. There are, there are many domains of, uh, of influence, but the, the aim of these threats is to uh, underline the, the societal uh, structures and to instill fear.
0: Okay, no, you did really well. I don't think I would have done any better. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Maya. Um, So I guess the the last couple of questions I had for you, because time unfortunately does fly. um, The first one was... So you mentioned, you know, 150 people, 30 member states, so many topics, are there one or two, you mentioned the hydrogen project, which you seem to, to really find interesting. And I, and I agree, especially because hydrogen is such a, how do you say, volatile source of energy. So there must be plenty to discuss there. Are there another one or two projects that you particularly liked that you would like to, to tell us about?
1: Uh yes, so uh, I'm just thinking now about yeah, across the working groups. So in working group one we had, for example, uh, how to increase the um, uh, let's say the use of green public procurement in defense. Also what are, what are some of the challenges there? We had a very good uh, contracting study. Um, then we had, the project of building a repository of uh, uh, islanding of installations in the military. So the, the let's say, so-called islands that are isolated from the energy grid and can mm-hmm. operate independently. So some member states, this was rather uh, interesting because uh, some member states were quite advanced and had already some projects that they could highlight. And these projects then are... Um, used as an example for the others Hmm. and this will be an open repository and it can be um, also uh, of course it can be updated uh, in time then we had um, an interesting it it was uh, to start with a study performed by by our contractor on um, European uh, defense sustainable energy profiles And what it means is that soon we will, we're hoping soon, we will launch uh, the website as part of EDA uh, site, uh, which will display sustainable energy efforts and activities of all the member states that want to participate and it will be online publicly available to everybody and this is quite a novel activity so if you're for example journalists are coming online and you want to see what uh, i don't know i will be biased and say croatia because i'm from <laughs> croatia is doing in this in this field you just click on the flag and you will be able to see some of their uh, highlighted highlights projects and it's a work in progress this is how it's uh, how it's foreseen it can be um, of course, uh, uh, updated. So this is something that we're uh, working on uh, currently.
0: Oh, that's great! No, I'm I'm all for this kind of uh, activities and and initiatives because it's not always very easy to find information on what the European Union is up to. So this is, this is great. And you mentioned green public procurement. Um, I'm not entirely sure I know what that is or what that means. Can you explain to me a bit more? <laughs>
1: Yes, uh, I hope so. Um, <laughs> so again, I'm not an expert in this field and we have so many topics covered. And uh, yes, but, but let me try. So it's about how to, how to increase, first of all, the awareness of, of uh, military personnel that the, uh, something called green public procurement is important. And what it is, it is to, to put in force the principles uh, at play that uh, as a result would have uh, services and the products acquired by the ministries of defense that are in line with uh, the with, uh, so-called green principles. So I cannot go into details at this stage. This is, this is more or less what, uh, what it is about. And also that the study highlighted some of the, uh, some of the challenges here. And uh, how uh, actually awareness raising is important. And this is what it, what is usually we see often missing at the ministries. Because if there is a lack of awareness, there is a lack of uh, prioritization of certain topics, yeah. and then there is a lack of funding for that. And that used to be energy domain in, in, uh, you know, (laughs) in total. Um, But now we see that the situation is is slowly changing and there is a change of mindset, uh, we have to say, fortunately, and more attention is given to those topics. Well, you
0: almost stole my line here, Maya, because this, you led me perfectly into the next question I had for you, which was, you said, you mentioned at the beginning that it was it was a close small group originally which makes sense when you start an initiative or a new consultation forum but now it's grown considerably so and now you you were also saying that you see that interest is rising and ministries are paying a bit more attention and understanding of course that they need to lead by example because as you said they're the ones setting the priorities so do you do you have a sense of what is triggering this change of mind? I mean, we, we all know um, that Ukraine and the energy crisis is probably one of the factors, but are there other factors, other things that are triggering this um, this increased buy-in to the whole green energy and renewables and sustainability and defense?
1: Yes, I would say it's, a, it's an entire uh, uh, context. So at, at the EU level, NATO as well but I, I will speak of uh, of the EU um, it has been uh, increasing gradually its its interest in these topics um, of sustainability and uh, gradually uh, putting up more stringent, measures. As you know, we are supposed to reach uh, uh, climate neutrality by 2050. Mm -hmm. And by 2030, there are some binding targets for member states. And we have seen the progression and, for example, the the legislation with targets, for example, for renewables. In the Renewable Energy Directive, first it was 32 percent, then it was 38 to 40 percent of obligatory uh, renewable energy in the energy mix. And now they're talking about increasing it to 45%. So this is a, a work in progress. It is pressing also member states to uh, to react in a way. So here I have to say, even though the defense is not bound by, type, by those targets as a sector, it has to contribute because... First of all, climate neutrality cannot be achieved if not everybody is on board. And the fence is a big user of, of, of energy and the very large owner of public land. It, it owns uh, quite, quite a few old inefficient, energy inefficient buildings. So these are all the considerations that need to be taken into account. Uh, but this is one side of the story. Uh, second part of the story, as we already said, why we see that there is increased interest is because of this. Um, of course, you can save money if you increase efficiency. Mm-hmm. You can be more resilient if we're talking about deployed operations, which we are not about a cons- <laughs> as part of the consultation forum. But there are logistical, less logistical problems if you pass to to more renewables if you have less less uh, uh, fossil fuels Um, yes so uh, so these are some of the uh, some of the considerations as well Uh, so the defense uh, also needs to be careful not to become obsolete let's say in this path Mm -hmm. because if all the things are going in the way, for, for example, by 2035, we're supposed not to have any more uh, cars and vans uh, producing greenhouse gas emissions. Mm-hmm. So if this is the case, this will have to be a context in which defence will, will play out its activities, it will need to adapt. And this adaptability is, is uh, key for future, in, uh, in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, Maya, it's uh, it's been great talking to you today. Uh, I'm sure there's so much more that we could talk about, but maybe we could do an update uh, episodes, maybe sometime next year or something like this. But before we close for today, is there anything you want to conclude with, any, any message you want to uh, convey?
1: Right, so many, <laughs> many, but let me try to be brief uh, because I think the listeners have already uh, gotten a lot of information. So, uh, taking into consideration that we are supposed to be there acting all together to, to achieve this climate neutrality and also to boost our resilience, it is a very, it's extremely necessary to fast track this energy transition in defense. And we can do it in in various different ways. As we have seen, the consultationist forum is just one example. But the member states could be, um, let's say it would be good that they are willing to participate more in similar international fora. Then it would be good that all of those different um, activities in the field of sustainable energy that we have uh, kind of uh, a coordinating mechanism that could put all this together and make sense out of uh, uh, out of many many similar uh, activities that are currently happening in the EU. And uh, it would be good to remember that uh, this new disruptive and cutting edge technologies are. Um, it, it's good to to embrace them, even even if we are sometimes reluctant. Mm. but there are already some ready-made solutions on the market that can also be feasible to be used by defense so i would say just um, have an open mind and uh, be ready to adapt yeah absolutely
0: i like that uh well again thank you so much uh, maya for your time it's been really a pleasure talking to you and um uh, well, yes, I look forward to reading more about what's going on in different countries and, uh, and seeing how all of this develops. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you very much for, for inviting me here. It was, a, it was a pleasure. I hope it uh, all made sense somehow. <laughs> it that certainly did. Listeners will get a bit of a better picture of uh, what it is that we're doing in the uh, field of sustainable energy.
0: So there you have it, folks. Thank you very much for listening to the Defense Podcast. And I do hope you enjoyed this enriching conversation with Maya. As usual, don't forget to spread the word to anyone who might be interested in this episode or podcast, liking and sharing on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or any other social media you may be following the Defense Podcast on. And until next time, au revoir et à bientôt.